0: Welcome to the Disciples of Liberty Show. I'm Brian Hyde. This is the America Out Loud Network. I don't know if I'm going to solve any of the world's problems today, but uh, I'm definitely going to share with you some information that will give you a broader perspective from which to understand what is happening all around us. And hasn't it been interesting to see the incredible pivot in uh, the mainstream narrative regarding all the COVID lockdowns and the mandates and so forth I'm still trying to process it just because I I, I guess I'm nursing a a mild case of whiplash from how quickly everything shifted. And I got to wonder if this has something to do with the fact that uh, the the ruling class has looked around. They've looked at the truckers convoy in in, uh, Canada. They've looked at uh, the spreading uh, possibilities of other trucker convoys in other nations all around the world. And they're starting to realize Wow, the people are getting really upset about this. In fact, the the ruling class is starting to get a little bit twitchy looking. Because there is a push for accountability. And I think that push for accountability is a good thing. I think it is a natural thing. Um, Now, could it spiral out of control? I mean, could we find ourselves in a French Revolution kind of situation? I think that's an actual danger. And so I think we need to proceed carefully. But the bottom line is people are waking up and, and the people who are starting to realize how badly all of us were played. I know it's, it's tempting and I, I have to fight this urge sometimes to, you know, to not tell them, I told you so. I want to say it's so bad. That's not what we need to be doing at this moment. We don't need to be rubbing people's nose in it and humiliating them and otherwise, you know, trying to show them, that's right, you were wrong. We're not, I'm going to do a victory dance around you and make sure that everybody knows I was right and you were wrong. It sucks when, when you know that you have been lied to or when you realize that you've been lied to. If you have ever been on the receiving end of like some really deep betrayal, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a gut punch. It takes the wind right out of your sails and, you know, it it plays with your self-esteem. You start to question, you know, how how much more of what I've believed turns out to be false. I mean, it can get really existential kind of questioning in a big hurry. And I'm going to ask you to do something that may seem kind of counterintuitive, but I, I feel like I need to ask this anyway. And it's something I'm willing to do myself. And it's simply this. Be patient with the people who are waking up. In fact, take it one step further. Don't just be patient with them, but actually be kind to them. Because all of us have been somewhere in that journey. And I don't know what the moment was for you. You know, when did your eyes come open? When did you realize, hey, I can't continue on with what everybody else is doing because I see something here that just doesn't add up? And, and somewhere in my heart, I recognize. This is screwed up. This is wrong. I mean, it was uncomfortable. And, and maybe you went through that, that moment of questioning. Do I really believe anything? What can I, what can I actually believe? Now, the good news is you, you grow into it. You get used to the idea of it's okay to stand up and question all the conventional wisdom or to question the official narrative Even if people call you names or look at you weird and think you're some conspiracy theorist, you become more comfortable with truth, even uncomfortable truth, and less needy on uh, the assurance or the reassurance of, of comforting lies. My point is simply this. We've all been there. All of us have made errors in judgment. All of us have believed things. I like the, the mental image that Paul Rosenberg paints. of: We're all slogging around in a swamp of misinformation. Everybody, every person you know, and this includes yourself, has been brainwashed to a degree. That's the world that we live in. And the, the brainwashing is blasted at us 24-7 all around the clock. But if you think about the time where your eyes came open and you realized I can't get on board with with what everybody else is doing or what everybody else is thinking because I'm seeing something here that I cannot reconcile. That's a pretty pivotal moment. And there are a lot of people having that moment for the very first time. I'm guessing there was probably someone in your life or my life who encouraged us to go ahead and take those tentative steps to start slogging our way out of that swamp of misinformation. And I'm grateful for those who encouraged me to do so. And the ones who left markers along the trail so I would know, hey, the, the ground's a little more firm here. It's easier going here. This is, this is a way to get to higher ground right here. I think you and I have a similar duty to do this for the people who are, likewise, just beginning to find their way out of that swamp of misinformation. So, Please consider resisting the urge to do a victory dance on them as they, you know, are are now humiliated, realizing they've been fooled by Dr. Fauci and all the others who, you know, were were pumping this fear porn at them 24-7. They don't need to be scolded. They don't need to be humiliated. Right now, they're at a place where they're questioning a lot of things, and, and actually maybe more open to the ideas that uh, that would lead them to embrace freedom more fully. So be gentle. All right. Thus endeth the sermon. Let's let's talk about this uh, this push for accountability for the people who inflicted lockdowns on us. Has Jordan uh, Schachtel wondering what will the next crisis look like? Because right now there's a big pivot going on. Jordan Schachtel on his dossier substack writes, what will the next crisis look like with COVID mania getting stale? The ruling class needs another distraction. He says after two years of robbing billions of people across the world of their lives and livelihoods, it seems that the global ruling class has decided to roll back their prized biomedical security state. As these monsters try to wipe their hands clean of the greatest humanitarian catastrophe of the 21st century, we must remain vigilant about the possibility that they will attempt to seamlessly pivot to the next crisis. Far from accepting blame for their failures, this ruling class is gaslighting us with declarations of a victory over a virus. Using data manipulation and outright falsehoods, these failed leaders want us to thank them for saving us from a virus. But the stats couldn't be more clear. COVID season peaked the past two years in late January. With or without mRNA shots, or without lockdowns, with or without masks, whichever nonsensical restriction they forced into action, we saw the same results. Nowhere in the country did any of these restrictions prove to have any benefit whatsoever. Two years of Cures, supposed expert measures, and the like prove nothing but a giant sunk cost. He says we got scammed by big pharma and much more importantly we were unjustly robbed of our unalienable rights. And the people in charge did nothing but contribute harm. Now Jordan Schachtel reminds us the first public health measures only created a massive problem on top of the virus issue. Think back. First, it was the infamous two weeks to slow the spread. That turned into endless rolling restrictions on human movement, the adoption of a new cloth mask wearing religion, a biosecurity state segregation system, and the creation of a new mammoth sized industry, which produces nothing but pure snake oil that turned in record profits. Thanks to the safety regime. Schachtel says over the last two years in America, our government waged both an anti-humanitarian and an economic war against American citizens. On the federal level, the United States recklessly printed trillions of dollars, devaluing the wealth of the vast majority of its citizens while enriching the connected elite. The Biden regime set the Constitution on fire and demonized those who refused to comply with their autocratic demands, labeling detractors as enemies who were on the side of a virus. Meanwhile, on the state level, power drunk governors made the lives of their citizens a living hell, destroying the hopes and dreams of millions of entrepreneurs while forcing the working class to undergo an endless series of experimental injections in order to continue to feed their families. On the local level, school boards and academic institutions turned education into a prison sentence, using children as human shields to advance their political ideology. Now, Jordan Schachtel says there's so much more to be said about this era, and the COVID mania era has left us with a rogues gallery of human rights criminals. Throughout the world, however, people who have presided over the catastrophe would rather we stop talking about it as soon as possible, especially in the United States. In America, the people in charge are looking for a distraction. And that could come in many forms, perhaps a war with a great power or a coming climate climate crisis, rather, or even a cyber pandemic. The list of possibilities is endless. And it's important to remain vigilant about what they might throw at us next. By the way, that cyber pandemic thing, that's that's a pretty scary thought, because I know that they have been actively war gaming this And there have actually been a number of news stories released kind of planting the seeds just to get people a little bit fearful and, you know, prepare them for, you know, something that uh, more likely is going to be sprung on us. Now, do I believe it's a legitimate cyber attack that's coming? No. I believe it'll be implemented by the very same people who are going to ostensibly save us from it. (laughs) But I don't trust them. Jordan Schachtel points out. Midterm elections are just months away in the United States. And now COVID mania is deeply unpopular. The science didn't change, but the polls did. Politicians and the experts are now trying to prepare. They're trying to pretend that they didn't steal two years of our lives with nothing to show for it. Their lack of remorse and honesty shows definitively that all they care about is staying in power and they will do anything to remain in charge. And he says, I hope to see the day that Anthony Fauci and Xi Jinping or Bill Gates, Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, and this long roster of evildoers are legally held accountable for their incredible crimes against humanity. But he says, for now, it's time to remain on the lookout for the next trick coming out of their sleeves. I know it's it's probably easy to think, well, gee, it's not. Are you cynical much there, Brian? And, uh, you know. I think we have a right to be cynical. I mean, even if you just look back at, at what was being told to us over the last few years, regarding, over the last couple of years, regarding COVID, the lies that were told, the things that were stated as certainty and as fact that were in fact not based in reality. Which brings me to the next point, and that is what an incredible shift has taken place. Who knew? The cure for COVID apparently is related to low approval ratings for lockdowners. Got a great article here from, uh, this is from Quoth the Ravens Fringe Finance. I picked this up off zerohedge.com. The headline, COVID conspiracy theories have now magically become fact-checked mainstream narrative. And I think I shared this article um About a month ago, QTR's Fringe Finance said, I started out 2022 by predicting that capitalism and common sense would catalyze a massive pivot in how the mainstream media reports on COVID. And he says, I believe the media would eventually start the process of pivoting from hysteria and that politicians understanding full well that they can't get reelected during midterms this year on a platform of locking people in their homes would follow. And he says, all I can say one month into the year is, holy crap, does it look like I was right. So far in 2022, innumerable U.S. states, in addition to countries like Sweden, Norway and Denmark, are lifting COVID restrictions. Connecticut and Delaware are planning on lifting school mask mandates by the end of March. Oregon officials have also announced that general mask mandates would be lifted March 31st. Even New Jersey and California announced they would ease mandates in the coming weeks. And the media narrative has changed very quickly, too. Dr. Leanna Nguyen, columnist with The Washington Post and CNN medical analyst who has in the past gushed nonstop about following the government's COVID guidance, has now completely changed her playbook for her appearances on CNN. On Monday of this week, she told CNN, there was and is a time and place for pandemic restrictions. But when they were put in, it was always with the understanding that they would be removed as soon as we can. And in this case, circumstances have changed. Case counts are declining. Also, the science has changed. The responsibility should shift from a government mandate imposed from the state or local district of the school. It should shift to an individual responsibility by the family. And who can still decide that their child can wear a mask if needed? Well, isn't that big of her to recognize this? Now, in addition to sounding like she was erring on the side of freedom of choice a concept Democrats may now only conveniently be adopting ahead of midterms, she also promptly took to Twitter to represent the other side of the COVID argument that days ago would have been written off as conspiracy theory. So this is what Leanna Wen tweeted on Tuesday night. She said, It can both be true both that COVID-19 causes illness and harm and also that its continued prioritization to the exclusion of other issues does too. It can both be true that masks reduce respiratory infections and also that they can have unintended harms. We must have an honest conversation about masking in schools. Two things can be true at once. Masks work to reduce transmission and they could cause harm to kids, especially to young learners. There needs to be an ongoing risk-benefit analysis as there is for any intervention. She also retweeted this statement from Dave Rubin, policy director at CHOP. This is a moment to start removing the restrictions that have been placed on kids. Because the risk to their mental health, learning loss, those types of things are now far greater than the virus itself. Now, Quoth the Raven says, well, she's right. We do need to have an honest conversation. But the question is, why are we having it now? And why weren't we allowed to have it just a few weeks ago? In fact, where the F was this woman six months ago? And this is where history is not going to be kind to to uh, when. On New Year's, she was urging people to mask up while heading outdoors to watch the ball drop. Quote, make sure you're vaccinated and boosted. Make sure that you're wearing that mask, even though it's outdoors. There are lots of people around you wearing a wearing a, a three ply surgical mask. End quote. In spring of last year, she was expressing fears about the U.S. not being able to reach herd immunity. In summer of last year, she was spreading the narrative that we can't trust the unvaccinated. Heading into the fall, she was writing op-eds called Why COVID-19 Vaccines Should Be Required for All Americans. And now, only now that millions of vaccines have been distributed and the public's trust in the president and his COVID response is at all-time lows, she has totally and completely changed her tune. I mean, look, I can respect somebody for changing their mind, but this sure seems convenient. And also, the article points out the left is beginning to talk about concepts they were completely silent on for the last two years, most notably natural immunity. quotha Raven says, it was less than a month ago that I wrote a piece arguing why I thought capitalism and common sense would end vaccine mandates in 2022. As part of that article, I wrote that natural immunity would soon have to be a talking point due to Omicron potentially acting as nature's vaccine. First, after this Omicron wave passes, it should hopefully stir up a discussion about natural immunity that's about 18 months overdue. Putting vaccine mandates aside, Omicron, given its extremely infectious nature and mild effects, may wind up acting like nature's vaccine for almost everybody anyway people will start to understand this concept and push harder on the science as to why it has conveniently ignored the topic of natural immunity, which has proven to be more robust than vaccination thus far. And lo and behold, as The Hill pointed out this week, the CDC is all of a sudden starting to talk about natural immunity. A report published by the CDC on January 28th of this year finally acknowledges what many have suspected for a long time, That surviving COVID-19 provides excellent natural immunity, not only against repeat infection, but also to hospitalization and death for the Delta variant of COVID-19. Once again, where was this analysis during the Soviet-style campaign to roll out vaccines throughout the country over the last 12 months? Now we're seeing articles like this that say how Omicron upended what we thought we knew about natural immunity. But we've known about the robust immunity provided for, uh, by natural immunity for many months already. Studies in mid 2021 were showing durable and robust immunity from natural immunity, according to a large collection of data and trials by Dr. Larry Istrell. It is post-COVID-19 natural immunity. A deep dive studies dating back to 2020. They continued to that um, they continued to confer that natural immunity against COVID was. Effective and his comprehensive collection of sources is worth examining closely. Not the least of which is Dr. Fauci's own email exchanges from the inception of the pandemic in March 2020. Here's an email from Dr. Fauci, this is to Ezekiel Emanuel says, no evidence in this regard, but you would assume that there would be substantial immunity post-infection. It is an RNA virus, and so you can expect mutations, but not sure how much is going on. We'll have to check. See, even Senator Rand Paul was exasperated when he called out the administration's odd penchant for not mentioning anything involving natural immunity. Speaking about Dr. Fauci's constant media appearances, Paul said back in fall of 2021, hey, this guy, meaning Fauci, has an opinion on baseball, hockey, Tinder, and Christmas. But he was asked the other day about natural immunity that you acquire after the disease, and he's like, oh, that is a really interesting thought. I never thought about that. I don't have an opinion because I haven't thought about naturally acquired immunity. Well, Rand Paul says he has, and he is lying to you. The reason he won't bring up natural immunity is because it foils his plans to get everybody everybody possible vaccinated. He thinks it might slow down vaccination. And I'm for people getting vaccinated, particularly people at risk. But the thing is, if you ignore naturally acquired immunity, then you're saying we don't have enough people. You have to force it on younger people. So what then seemed to more of a conspiracy theory that Fauci was purposely ducking the question of natural immunity today starts to look like that was the most realistic scenario. If we have Freedom of Information Act emails from Fauci in early 2020, we know it was on his mind essentially as soon as the pandemic started. And that begs the question, why were we so quiet about natural immunity for so long? (laughs) I mean look it's it's this is not just cracks are appearing in the narrative the covid narrative is falling apart and and to me the most sickening thing of all is to watch these public figures particularly the ones who <clears throat> were so instrumental in implementing all of these lockdowns and these mandates and these uh, non-pharmaceutical interventions that have pitted us against one another and just robbed us of so much quality of life as well as real economic opportunity and freedom. And to see them sit there and pretend like, well, we've always felt this way. I think it was <clears throat> the president's press secretary, Jen Psaki, who made the comment uh, last week. Well, you know, the lockdowns were really something that started with the previous administration. Like they were going to pass this off as, hey, we were just, you know, we were just doing what the people who before did before us, you know. Yeah, it's not going to fly. And it's curious that these pivots and how the science has changed happen to correspond with the, the real reality that the people who were responsible for this are seeing their support drop precipitously. There are people running strictly on accountability platforms right now who are running for office all across the country. So they're trying to gaslight us, you know, the people who are responsible for implementing these policies. They want to gaslight us into believing that, oh, hey, we heard your cries and and God-like. We're here to restore a portion of your freedoms to you. Aren't we good people? Aren't we good? You can trust us. Don't fall for it. Do not trust them. I'm Brian Hyde. This is the Disciples of Liberty on the America Out Loud Network.
1: Dr. Peter McCullough. If you go to healthycell.com, you can check out the technology, the products of Healthy Cell. These are very innovative products. They are a form of bionutraceuticals that are bioactive and they come in a variety of categories. One is daily essentials, which are the bioactive multi and the vegan essentials. And then the next category is performance. And this is the rem sleep supplement i've talked about it a lot i think it's very effective and i recommend it uh, for myself and for my family but as well as my patients i'm having great luck with this because it is such a terrific product with um, a blend of i think is what's needed for not only promoting sleep but also getting quality sleep and one gets quality sleep then there's restfulness and the next day is better and then the next night is better and it becomes a progressively positive cycle for the human body And the next product in the performance category is Focus and Recall, Focus and Recall. And I think that is the featured product that um, is coming into play for those with long COVID and brain fog that develops after COVID-19, the respiratory infection, but also after COVID-19 vaccination. So go to HealthyCell.com and check out the products. And in the promotional code, use the term out loud for 20% off your first purchase. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio.
0: Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC-11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years, and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC-11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC-11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to americaoutloud.com where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Once again, welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. I'm Brian Hyde. This is the America Out Loud Network. How do you keep it? How do you keep track of everything? How do you keep it all straight in your head? You know what we're being told today versus what we were being told yesterday. You know, it seems like everything is shifting right under our feet. And uh, if if you're feeling like I just don't know where, where is there any firm ground on which I can stand? I think that's a question a lot of people are asking themselves, and, and with good reason. They are seeing the narratives fall apart. And I don't have a single answer for you. Well, you know, where can you stand? You know, all I know is this. There is such a thing as time-tested principle. And and, and I guess we can start with maybe a, a little distinction between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is a good thing. And and seeking after knowledge is is always I think an admirable thing to do to better understand the world around you and how it works. But knowledge differs from wisdom in that knowledge is transitory, meaning it can change. As more knowledge becomes available, you know and and I'll just use this as an example. If you've ever taken a CPR class or you've been certified in CPR, you'll recognize that the way CPR was taught 30 years ago, or even 10 years ago in some cases, is very different from how it's taught today. I mean, it used to be that, okay, so you do this many compressions, then you do this many breaths, and, you know, no, it's, uh, now, now I've heard people say that uh, the new doctrine, at least that they're teaching people in CPR classes, is breaths may not be as essential as, as, as they were taught. <clears throat> Most of the people who have, have been, been uh, demonstrating CPR, like, you know, I've been to various youth activities where, where some, like a fireman comes and teaches it. It's all about doing the compressions and doing those right and, and less focus on the breathing. So my point is, the knowledge is, well, this is what we know this is what we knew 20 years ago. Now it's changed and it will probably change again. That's the nature of knowledge. Wisdom is, is slightly different. Wisdom is something that uh, remains true regardless of time and place. Let me see if I can give you an example of of what might constitute wisdom in this regard. Okay, I'm going to apply this to, to the principles and practices of liberty. Wisdom would tell us that in order to have liberty... To be able to to really choose things freely for yourself without some outside compulsion or outside influence trying to steer you in a particular direction. You must first be capable of exercising self-government. In other words, you have to be able to control your passions. That's not going to change. It's it's as true today as it was in the time of, I'm going to use the example of Caligula. Caligula may have been a great ruler or tyrant. What's the difference at this point? But because he could not govern himself, his passions, his appetites, even his his thinking, it led to his destruction. Maybe a more more modern example would be uh, you know someone who who didn't wield it in a political sense. But um, I, I hold up Charlie Sheen as an example of talented actor. Very popular. You know, basically he had the the world by the tail, could do whatever he wanted to do. And what did he choose to do with that freedom and the immense wealth that came as a result of a very successful acting career? You know, he he squandered it all on uh, wild living, you know, drugs and uh, crazy, you know, ladies and ended up, you know, becoming HIV positive, addicted to drugs, kicked off of his shows and, you know. The point is too much freedom improperly handled ended up being his undoing. And I hope you don't feel like I'm just piling on to Charlie. I'm sorry. It's just it's an example of you know if if you aren't capable of controlling yourself eventually you're going to paint yourself into a corner. That's what wisdom would teach you. So the challenge before us today is uh, how do we how do we find wisdom? And I'm just going to suggest that if you really want to know, you know, what is firm, what you can stand on, it means you're going to have to do some serious contemplation. Now, that's going to look different for different people. Some people, you know, it may just be sitting down and reading a good book. And I mean, really a good book, something that challenges your thinking, that elevates it to a higher level than it was before you picked up that book. For others it may, you know, require some spiritual insights, maybe some time for meditation or prayer on a daily basis. But the bottom line is you have to be willing to do the heavy lifting for yourself. You have to be willing to learn and then apply the truths that you learn. I don't know if you're familiar with the essay uh, Isaiah's Job. This was written by Albert J. Nock, I believe back in nineteen thirty five. It's been around for quite a while, but he talks about a remnant. And specifically, just in a nutshell, Isaiah was commanded to go and tell the children of Israel, you guys are screwing up, you're screwing up big time, and you need to straighten up or else. That's the message the Lord gave Isaiah to tell the children of Israel. And he told Isaiah at that time, now, when you do this, you need to understand they're not going to listen to you. In fact, they're going to want to kill you. In fact, they're going to not only want to kill you, they'll want to kill you, but they're going to run things into the ground regardless of what you tell them. You can imagine Isaiah's reaction to this. Well, if this is the case, why would I go out there and stick my neck out for people who don't even want to hear what I have to say, much less aren't planning on responding to it? And the Lord tells Isaiah, Ah, but there is a remnant that you don't know about. That is who you will really be speaking to. Yes, the message of repentance and the message of straighten up, that's for everybody. And I think it's being offered, you know, I think this is my interpretation. The Lord is offering that message in a very loving way, encouraging them, turn away from your wickedness. You know, come unto me. But the masses don't like to listen to that message. The masses don't care. What the masses want is they want accolades, they want uh, checks with their name on it, they want pats on the back, and they want to be assured that whatever they're doing right now at this moment makes them the coolest, the best of the best. I guess in a nutshell, they want to be told they're awesome. But the remnant, on the other hand, the remnant is made of a little bit uh, sterner substance. and, and, And bear with me on this, but... The fact that you're listening to this program is a pretty good indicator you probably are a part of that remnant. Whether you think you are or not, here's what makes the remnant what it is. The remnant are those people for whom truth matters even more than their own personal comfort or their ability to just, you know, and live a life of hedonism or whatever. They, they love truth and they seek after truth, but this is the important thing that distinguishes them from the masses, The remnant are people who not only understand truth, and this is according to Nock, they apprehend the truth and they live it. That's the dividing point right there. So you and I could look at our own lives and say, okay, when I learn something new, do I go ahead and adopt that into how I live my life? Do I incorporate it into, you know, my being? I guess assimilation is the word I'm looking for. Or do I just, oh, that's interesting, and then keep on doing whatever it is that I happen to be doing at the moment? I think it was Winston Churchill who used to talk about how when, you know, there are some people who, if they stumble over the truth, will simply pick themselves up, look around to see if anybody noticed, and then hurry on, you know, hoping that nobody saw them trip over it. But to be a person who is part of that remnant means when you encounter truth, however pleasing or however difficult that truth may be, you still have the courage to look at it, examine it, come to an understanding of it. And if it is something that you really regard as true, you incorporate it into your life and that becomes a part of how you live as a person. I mean, this isn't super complicated stuff. And as, as the Lord is telling Isaiah, this is who you're going to be talking to. You're going to be talking to this remnant. Why would he just have that message so, so clearly in mind for the remnant if it was known that the masses are going to reject it and they're going to run this thing into the ground anyway? And the answer, according to Albert J. Knock, was because the remnant are the people who will come along after the masses have wrecked everything and who will build whatever it is that comes next. Now, I really hope that doesn't come off sounding as fatalistic as as it might to some. So, Brian, you're saying that everything is going to collapse and from the ashes and dust, we will stumble forth wearing nothing but rags and somehow rebuild society. Okay, that's, that's one extreme interpretation of it. But whatever it is that comes next, I simply know this, that there has always been the need for people who are based in truth, and who are humble enough to live that truth. And invariably, when, when these historic cycles play out and there is some great crisis, and when the dust settles at the end of that crisis, it's the remnant that people look to for direction, for leadership, <clears throat> for an, an appreciation of which way do we go from here. Now, in the absence of that remnant, you know, you can end up with things kind of like the French Revolution. In the presence of a remnant, you end up with things like the American founding. This is not to suggest that they were all perfect and I'm putting, you know, and deifying the American founders and putting them on a pedestal where they cannot be questioned. They had their flaws. But it's very clear that truth, if you read their writings, you'll see. They understood that there are truths that go far beyond just whatever is politically convenient at the moment. Something else about the remnant, too, is that when Isaiah is called to speak to the remnant, God tells him, you won't even know who these people are. You're not going to be sure that anybody is even hearing your message. It's going to. It may seem like what you're saying is falling on deaf ears. Because that's the nature of the remnant. They're not the people out there in the spotlight. They're not the ones who are out there making waves and making headlines and, you know, having great parties where all the help is masked, but we're not. (laughs) Ha ha, life is great. The remnant's a little more down to earth. They're common people like you and me. Common in the sense that uh, we don't have any outward, you know, appearance that would would denote what wonderful people we are but again then again god looks upon a person's heart more so than their outward appearance and this is where what the remnant has counts because their hearts are humble and their hearts are tuned to seek after truth especially truth that keeps them connected to their creator now, this may have taken a far more religious bent than I would have liked, but uh, I, I'm sharing this with you because I sincerely believe you and I are very likely a part of whatever the modern day remnant consists of. I mean, if you've ever had the experience of running into somebody who who thinks like you do, it's kind of a rare thing, isn't it? I'm not saying that we're a bunch of weirdos. Okay, Don't don't get me wrong, but to say that we're in the mainstream no i don't think so i'm certainly not in the mainstream and i'm actually you know i'm okay with that i'm not going to say i'm proud of it because you know that can that can quickly swing really far to the other end of the spectrum where i'm suddenly this uh, this blue-haired uh, non-binary person emoting all over tiktok about how nobody's respecting me and my gender and their gender norming me or whatever no I do have an understanding, though, of my relationship with my creator. I have an understanding of the inalienable rights with which my creator has endowed me. And I have a determination to live up to the principles and practices that are consistent with liberty, regardless of what is going on in the world around me. Now, that can be a pretty tough thing to do, especially when you have the thought police really starting to zero in. And in case you, uh, you know, didn't follow the release, um, you know, just a few days ago of the Department of Homeland Security talking about how they're trying to get rid of misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, MDM for short. They're going to be taking a real close look at dissent. And essentially what they're saying is anybody who, who is uh, dissenting with the powers that be is posing some kind of a terror threat or represents some kind of existential threat to the continuity of government. It's a little bit spooky, especially from the standpoint of, so we're making the Department of Homeland Security now the arbiters of not just what's true or false, but what is safe and what isn't safe in terms of ideas that we may hold or discuss or believe I'm not a big fan of that. I think that uh, we're going to see a much more concerted effort to try to restrict speech and keep people in line so that they're safely in the masses and the masses are safely, you know, distracted by things that don't really matter. But just between you and me, I'm going to do everything in my power. To continue to think as clearly and independently as possible, and to associate with people who do the same thing. I know that remnant is out there. There's times where I feel like I'm I'm called to speak to that remnant, not because I have all the answers, and not because you know uh, they're, they're going to turn to me as the guy who has all the all the answers to life's questions and the directions of what they should do next. I'm not calling the shots. I'm just there to encourage them that embracing the truth and living lives consistent with the truth that they have already learned is worth it. They just need that reassurance that God is still God. Truth is still truth, regardless of whatever is fashionable at the moment. Here's where I'm going to pivot and talk a little bit about uh, cancel culture. And in particular, the Joe Rogan saga has been on a lot of people's minds here lately. Um, And when you consider why is cancel culture going after Joe Rogan right now? I think you first have to start with the understanding that cancel culture, at its heart, has never been about righting actual wrongs. It's more about intimidating people into either shutting up, And just quietly standing by or, more likely, to intimidate us into chanting in unison with whatever it is that they're trying to lead us in. This is one of the reasons I'm not a fan of of cancel culture at any level. I am a fan, though, of people who can clearly explain what is at stake. Kit Knightley, who writes for offguardian.org, is one of those individuals. And this article about uh, Joe Rogan shows us the real purpose of cancel culture. Again, some real cool insights as to why now is is the, the cancel culture mob going after Rogan. Kit Knightley says, Joe Rogan has just been canceled again. It's not about COVID misinformation this time. No, he's a racist now. Some enterprising young mind combed through 13 years and hundreds of episodes of the Joe Rogan experience and cut together about 20 incidents or instances, rather, of Rogan using the N-word. Now, this video was shared by award-winning musician India Ari and was used to explain her pulling her music from Spotify's platform in protest of Rogan's continued presence there. Now, Rogan claims that these clips are all taken out of context in his recent apology video. None were ever intended to be racist. And this may well be true. We can't check for ourselves because Spotify removed all the episodes. But these important bits of context were naturally removed from the viral video. Besides, it's been said that uh, context doesn't even matter. And Kit Knightley says, you know what? They're right. The context doesn't matter, perhaps because the intention doesn't even matter. You know what matters? Is why now? Some of these clips are over 12 years old. Yet there have never been any calls to boycott Spotify or cancel Rogan's show until just the last few days. So the question is, were they not racist before or was everybody just okay with the racism? Could there be something else behind this rather? But why bother pausing the hate fest to ask questions, right? See, the only message that matters is Joe Rogan is racist now. And the streaming giant Spotify has pulled over 70 episodes of his show from their platform as a result. Now, of course, the cyber torches and Internet pitchforks coming for Joe Rogan is nothing new. Having preached the tenets of a healthy lifestyle, having promoted alternative COVID treatments and invited dissenting experts onto his show. Rogan has obviously been on the establishment's hit list for a while. And this reached a peak in January when aging rock royalty Neil Young gave Spotify an ultimatum. You either remove Rogan's misinformation or take my music down. And despite adding a weasley disclaimer to the beginning of the podcast episodes, Spotify essentially sided with Rogan, probably because they couldn't be seen to bow to that kind of pressure. And because they figured most people had forgotten that Neil Young was still alive, now, in short, and despite other musicians like Joni Mitchell adding their voices to Young's, the gambit failed, and Rogan remained on the air. then, just a few weeks just a couple of weeks ago, White House press secretary Jen Saki added fuel to the fire by announcing the president would like to see more done by tech companies to limit the amount of misinformation on their platforms. And within days of that press conference, the viral video compilation of racial slurs had appeared. Now Rogan is a racist as well as an anti-vax covid or whatever they're calling us these days. Now he's also an object lesson in the entire purpose of cancel culture and extreme identity politics in general. Now, Kit Knightley says, I don't know how many of our readers are gamers or who remember Half Life 2, but go with me here. Around two thirds of the way through the game, you encounter giant insect like aliens called ant lions, and soon afterwards get a special attack the ability to paint enemies with pheromones, which cause an unending swarm of ant lions to attack them. Now, of course, the giant insects don't know why they're attacking your enemies. They don't sympathize with your aims. They're not capable of understanding your plans. All they know is the chemical signals driving them to rage, to fits of rage. Now, you probably don't need me to explain the metaphor. But Kit Knightley says this is the purpose of rampant, hysteric identity politics. You can paint your enemies as a target and then just sit back and watch the mindless swarm do its work. As much as cancel culture is portrayed as a totally organic process without any kind of top-down control, this is simply not the case. It's almost never organic and seemingly always contrived. And if you need to be persuaded of that, well, just take a look at who is immune to it. So, for example, both Joe Biden and uh, Justin Trudeau have got enough racist or at least racist-seeming scandals to get them canceled if the process was anything but a covert tool of maintaining the status quo, yet still they stand. So to show how selective it is, we have examples of the same exact behavior eliciting complete opposite responses depending on the person involved. When Gina Carano, for instance, compared the hatred of the unmasked and unvaccinated to the way that Jews were treated in Nazi Germany, she lost her job and her agent. When Margaret Hodge made similar comments about Corbyn's Labour Party, there was no rebuke at all. So it seems only people outside the establishment or promoting the wrong opinions are ever in real danger of falling victim to organic cancellation. Indeed, one can be a totally white-bred member of the entertainment industry for years and be safe in the knowledge your racism, homophobia, misogyny, etc. will never really come to light. But step out of line on the wrong subject at the wrong time and you will suddenly find yourself facing a tidal wave of past sins about to wash over you. Look at Donald Trump, an insider to the bone when he was just a billionaire TV reality host. But then he ran against Hillary and became literally Hitler overnight. Rogan's a perfect example of this uh, phenomenon. Spend 10 years going on about legalizing weed, taking DMT, and talking about martial arts, and you can say the N-word as much as you want. Nobody notices or cares. But the minute you even mildly interrogate an important media narrative, then the mob organically remembers you were racist the whole time. That's pretty convenient. And Kit Knightley says the evidence of contrivance is obvious. Simply ask yourself, where did this video compilation of racial slurs actually come from? For that matter, who made it? Rogan's uses of the N-word are not new. They're all several years old and from 23 separate episodes, all multiple hours long. And there are almost 1,800 episodes of the show to plow through if you decide to go searching. So making this video is uh, a many days work of simply watching the episodes and that's assuming you know where to start looking. And that's before editing and trying to make it go viral. Are we supposed to believe this was all done on a whim by some bored pro-vaxxer? Does that sound likely? Far more likely is that it was created and deployed to discredit Rogan's COVID questioning without having to engage with the COVID skeptic evidence or arguments. Now, it's possible the video may even have already existed before the current controversy. After all, why create this climate of stifling sensitivity if you don't have the tools to use it? So perhaps most authors and actors, comedians, etc. have a tape in the vault somewhere. A database of racism, homophobia, or transphobia just waiting to be released when it's needed. A collection of neocompromat that works best as a deterrent, but it's always ready to be loosed if needed. And those people who do step too far out of their box are taken down and act as an example to others, ensuring everyone on the public stage is singing from the same hymn sheet. Because that, it seems, is what cancel culture is for. Pretty interesting take here from Kit Knightley. Again, this is from offguardian.org. I don't think you could find a single person who has not uttered that word, the N-word, before. Or laughed at a joke in which that was, you know, part of the punchline. We have all said things that were inappropriate. We have all laughed at things that were inappropriate. That is just part of being human. And even a person who really pops off, I'm going to use the case of Michael Richards. You remember him? He was uh, the character, uh, he played the character Kramer on uh, the Seinfeld program. Tall, gangly, funny, funny guy. But a few years ago, he went into a just tirade against somebody who was heckling him as he was doing stand up in a nightclub. And he dropped the N-word multiple times and, you know, really was taken to task for it. You know, a racist rampage. Now, look, what he said, it was definitely, that was that was a racist rampage. If you, I'm not going to recommend you look up the, the audio for it, but this guy was popping off pretty hard. But here's what I'm going to suggest. Even if somebody pops off from time to time, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can safely diagnose them as, you know, being a racist through and through just because somebody said an inappropriate joke or laughed at an inappropriate joke or shared it via email or meme or something like that that doesn't mean that they're racist either i know people love to throw that word around and you know there's that's why i'm here i'm here to correct everybody who holds improper opinions and and there are some points of view that really are just ugly you know I've met people I I have known people who really do hold what I would consider a racist point of view like because that person's skin is that color they are less than me but it's their behavior that I'm more involved in 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 being aware of and and what a person thinks in their mind what a person holds in their heart is less concerning to me than what their behavior is if their behavior is peaceful then guess what I don't really care what they think because it's the behavior that really delineates whether you are a good person or a bad person. Every one of us holds thoughts that to some other person would be, you know, unthinkable. Well, how can you even believe that? it doesn't make you a bad person and unfortunately those accusations of racism are just more often than not it's it's just a it's a cuss word that uh, people are throwing out there hoping it will stick if i put this label on you and i believe hard enough in word magic you will magically transform into whatever i've just called you now nah, doesn't work that way the bigger question is can you still be a person of character can you still stand firm on your principles even when people are hurling what uh, what are going to be mostly spurious accusations of racism at you i guess we're all going to find out right this is the disciples of liberty show on the america out loud network